I, I don't condone, I don't condone dog fights, but when it's, when it's kaiju dogs, maybe. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me is a very special guest host, Danny DeManna from the Godzilla Novelization Project. I, I, I'm special. Thank you. Yeah, I feel, I feel special now. No, seriously, man. I, all joking aside, thanks for having me on. You're special in the good way. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I thanks for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like when we when we had when we had um Alex from uh, Monsters vs Men on, we called him our special guest, but we didn't mean it the same way when we say you're the special guest. <laughs> okay, there we go. There's the context I needed. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. I'm I'm super I'm super excited to be on. Um, I've been doing like a, a lot of podcasts lately. Get coming to get on and you know. Uh, unload all the monster fun facts in my brain and just have fun talking about monster movies. So I've, I'm, I'm super happy. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. And you've been one who's been on my list to, um, to be on for a while. And it just took, you know, a little while before we could, um, get you on. But, uh, so for people who are not familiar with you and your work, um, do you want to just give a little bit of a promo, for yourself, for the stuff that you do, Godzilla Novelization Project, anything you want to promo uh, right here at the top of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll do my best to keep this brief. I've, I feel like I've been saying all this quite a lot lately, but it's fun. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to... Make, <laughs> I'm very bad at promoting myself, but here goes. Um, <laughs> I, yes, my name is Daniel. De yeah, I'm, I'm going for it. My name is Daniel DeManna, and um, you've probably seen me online as uh, on, I'm on Twitter as Danzilla93 underscore GNP, and I am the author of and creator of the uh, very ridiculously ambitious um, Godzilla Novelization Project, which is a uh, an entirely independently done fan project entirely on my part to um, eventually and over time create full English language novelizations of all the Japanese Godzilla films and share them. Uh, 100% free because I don't own the character. Thanks Toho. Um, with, with fans, <laughs> I it's, it's something that I obviously couldn't sell or put in print or anything like that. It's, it's operating on the fan fiction principle where it's like, yeah, I'm using your character, but I'm not making money off of it. Please don't sue me. I love you Toho. Please don't sue me. <laughs> but, um, it's been so fun. I've been, I'm coming up here on good Lord. I've, I've definitely passed the two and a half year mark on this project. I, I launched at the beginning of 2018 and, um, very, just cause it was something I, I thought should exist. You know what I mean? I, I'm always in awe of people that uh, in the, in the Godzilla fan community, the Kaiju community monsters in general, because we're, there's such a, there's a lot of creative people. Like, I feel like this genre and being a fan of it really kind of fosters creativity in people and the artwork that people do and fan fictions that people write and just people, things that people make uh, projects that people do podcasts like this one. Uh, there's just a lot of creative people. And I really wanted to be a part of that group of creative people because Godzilla has been a part of my life for my entire life. I mean, it's, it's a huge, 
obviously it's a huge thing. It's I, I love it to death. And as a big reader and somebody who always thought like there should really be English language novelizations for these movies, but there aren't any. Uh, I decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it myself. So I, I put on my Infinity Gauntlet and um, deciding to do it myself. And I am now doing it myself. Um, you know, I'm yeah. learning a lot along the way. I'm I'm just having I'm just having fun with it, man. I mean, I've I'm really really having fun with it. And the the crazy thing is that people very quickly latched onto it and uh, have been telling me how much they enjoy it and telling them, telling me it's been getting them, you know, through this rotten year, which is really flattering and uh, people sharing their own artwork and stories with me. It's just been really, really cool. I've gotten a lot of amazing opportunities because of this project. And um, I'm just really always blown away by how, uh, how people are, have been responding to it and how kind of big it's getting. Um, It's not, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like huge yet, but people are still finding it and people are sharing it and talking about it. And it's, it's just really cool. Um, and one of the cool things that's yeah. come of it is I get to come on podcasts like this. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I, I do want to say is just uh, kudos to you for taking on such a huge project of trying to, uh, trying to not only write all of these uh, novelizations yourself, but the fact that you bounce around from story to story a lot. Um, I like, I like that it, it feels, um, like in the old days when they used to serialize novels, you know, a lot of very famous novels, like, um, you know, written by Jules Verne, HG Wells, a lot of those were serialized in magazines and in newspapers back in the day. And that's what this kind of like, uh, makes me feel like, cause you have to wait around for the next chapter. Like, Oh, I'm waiting for the next chapter to come out. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I wanted to ask you, and I know you were interviewed on, uh, Michael, my co-host, um, his, um, solo podcast that he does the Kaiju groupie podcast. But I did want to ask you, how do you keep it straight in your head when you're writing? Cause you're, you're working on like how many of these novelizations at, at one time, like you're, or they're in progress right now. Oh man, I, I want to say there's probably, I, I stopped starting new ones, but I think I stopped at something like 10. Um, oh, wow. and I, I started, yeah, I, 10 of them and I'm, I'm focusing on different ones at different times. And there's, there's really two different, uh, answers to that question. And, um, one of them is, uh, kind of like for readership sake. And one of them's for writer's sake. And the writer's sake one is if I feel like I'm grinding too hard or too hyper-focused on one book then Mm -hmm. and and like the writing might suffer i can jump to another one and still create content for people um it kind of helps me with my creative process because i i remember and it could be for different reasons like i remember i really really a few years ago was super into um godzilla versus hetera and writing that one and i started writing out what would have been i believe the fifth chapter and i just wasn't happy with any of it and i realized that i just was like too hyper focused on it I, everything I wrote, I was like, nah, I can't, that's not, that's no good. So I ended up bouncing to another book and, uh, all of a sudden there comes my creativity back. And, uh, I was like, okay, fresh start, but it's still creating content. So bouncing around helps my, is one of the ways my brain keeps track of all of it. Um, and the other reason was because when I launched the project, I, I toyed with the idea of just writing one, but I thought, one of the great things about Godzilla is that it's such a diverse, um, wide 
you know, all encompassing mm-hmm. kind of genre with multiple genres in it. I mean, as as any you know Godzilla fan will will know, there's as I like to say a uh, a Godzilla for all seasons, where mm-hmm. there's the the scary one and the sci fi one and the fantasy one and the one that's a plant and the one that's you know they're, they're all these different mm-hmm. types, all these different genres. There's scary stories. There's uh, heavy allegorical stories. There's fun adventure stories. There's you know it, it covers everything. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll pick out a few, like maybe one or two of each kind, just so I can kind of get my feet wet writing in each of those genres. And that also provides the reader with, let's say they don't want to be depressed and read the original Godzilla. They can read something lighter, or if they're not a fan of the lighter stuff, they can read something darker. So there's, I, it was to create, kind of create variety uh, on the website. Okay. And I did that for about, about two years. And then I thought, well, if I do any more, the you know the the phrase too thin comes to mind like i would have been spread way too thin it's already right. thin enough as it is so i cut myself off and i said i'm not going to do any more until i finish one of them and so i've been uh focusing on a couple of them in particular uh godzilla versus gigan is one that i'm really uh focusing on getting outlined and worked on right now and uh bouncing back and forth between a couple of other ones but um yeah yeah that's kind of the very roundabout answer to your question <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it, it's it's really interesting. I, I do find that interesting that you're able to because I know because um, I I've tried my hand at writing. I, I'm uh, I've published um, comic book and um, I've also tried my hand at writing um, prose writing too. And, and and I just I find it very difficult to bounce from you know project to project story to story because it's just too you know it, it, i i have a hard time living inside of one world and then switching over to a completely different world mm. that and try to embrace yeah. the characters and and live in that world so so i i really think that's amazing when writers can do that um one of the things that i wanted to touch on here while we're talking about the uh the gnp is um something that you mentioned uh when you were being interviewed by Michael on his podcast was you were talking about Hedora uh, or Hedera and uh, and so much of that movie is a visual thing that has no Ooh, real yes. purpose in the story other than to like just be a visual feast uh, and how you were able to capture that in story form in a written form i think that was fascinating so do you want to just touch on that just briefly uh to for anybody who happened to not hear the kaiju groupie episode yeah absolutely first of all thank you uh that's, that's i'm that's really <laughs> good to hear that it's working because hetera has come up before in conversations with uh, with fans and readers when i'm asked like what's the most difficult book you're writing right now um and hetera is my answer eventually that answer will be shin godzilla because uh, I could, I, I'm going to have to do so much more research to make sure that that book is as accurate and respectful as it as it can possibly be. Which is the the mo for the entire GNP, like respect, respect, mm-hmm. respect, accuracy, and respect. Um, but when it comes to something like, I mean, kaiju films, monster movies in in particular, um, are very visual. I mean, th- I mean, it's a giant monster. You want to see that, and right. so the idea of having a giant monster in and of itself, whether it's a kaiju film or it's something from, you know, what, what other corner of the monster genre you want to pick. It's something that you want to see. Those movies are very reliant on visuals and Hedera is on an entirely different level because it is, 
a film that lives or dies on its visuals. And so as you, as you mentioned, yeah, there's so much of that film that's meant just for the audience and it's not to be taken literally, you know what I mean? Cause it's, it's very, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, everyone you throws the word like psychedelic and trippy and it is. Um, oh yeah. The thing is you got to boil it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> that is a singular film on this planet. There's no other movie like that movie. Um, and watching it is a bizarre pleasure. You know, it's like a b- very strange experience, uh, but I, I love it to death. Um, but it's, it's weird because there's purpose behind the trippiness, right? Like all of that mm-hmm. weird stuff, it might look weird or uh, random. I've heard people call it the most random Godzilla movie. I've heard people call it this or that or the other thing, but all of those weird things that don't necessarily they look a little, they feel a little incongruous, but if you're, you're zeroed in on what, uh, Yoshimitsubana was trying to do, then all of those things do have a purpose. Um, one of the things that I brought up in my, uh, interview with Michael was the, uh, black and white Mount Fuji sequence where the, you know, they're all sad on top of the mountain because nobody showed up to their hippie party. And, uh, Mm -hmm. Bono-san shot that scene in dour, sad, depressing sepia tones, right? It's like the beginning mm-hmm. of uh, Wizard of Oz up there for a while. And obviously that one's that's not that hard to decipher. He was obviously trying to visually communicate the dourness and the hopelessness of the situation. The youth of Japan thought they could rise up against the man and try to, you know, do so. And it, it just didn't happen the way that they wanted it to. And so they feel defeated. And then the color comes back when they find their their strength again. And so, I mean, that's pretty easy to pick apart, but how do you translate that into prose? Like, how right. do you, how do you do that? Do you, do you leave it out? Cause I don't, I don't want to, it's in the movie for a reason. So I feel like omitting it is like basically me giving up. Like, well, I don't know how to do it. So I'm just not going to do it. No, no, I can't do that. Um, I, I have that kind of, that's the mentality and the respect level that I go into all the books, um, with, because if it's on the screen or if it's being described, then it's it's there for a reason, whether it's, um, you know, an intentional, it was in the script or the director did it, or it was like, well, that's there because of a budget cut, you know, and it's a little goofy. Right. It doesn't matter. It's in the movie. And I can't, I don't feel like I sh- can change that because who am I to touch, you know, these movies and do things. And there are things that are being, you know, added here and there and some things that are kind of being, nothing's being changed or altered. But when you sit down and read a film novelization, you kind of are looking for a little extra added context, you know? So I've been adding little bits of that context, things like stronger continuity, callbacks to other movies. So it just kind of feels more connected, but nothing that changes the plots or the dialogue or anything like that. And Hedera is its own unique challenge or series of challenges, I should say, because it's so completely visual. You have the 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 fish heads you know where he's mm-hmm. tripping out how do you write about someone tripping out on lsd how do you write about uh you know and the, the one that I, I talked about with michael was incorporating those weird political cartoons that are anime style into the narrative because right in the movie they have they, they're not part of the narrative they're just there for the viewer of the movie to see they're not in the universe of the movie but i didn't i didn't want to leave them out so I found a way to incorporate the first one of the three in the movie into the narrative. There's a character watching it on TV. I thought that was a pretty easy way to do that. So the next two will be done similarly, 
I think. I haven't gotten that far in the outlining process, so I don't know what those next ones will look like. And there's plenty of um, challenges about the future of writing hetera that I haven't gotten to yet. But um, yeah, visual, 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 and uh, <laughs> very, very difficult. But the the difficulty of it is like I, I thrive on the difficulty of it. Like there's, this is not like a, you know, it's, it's not a, you know, small project. It's pretty, it's pretty substantial. Right. I've basically yeah. committed years of my life to this thing and I'm taking it seriously. You know, I'm, I'm taking it. I'm, I'm having fun because if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. You know? Oh yeah. But you also have to take it seriously. And um, like, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta commit yourself to it. And this is, it's one of those things where I'm looking at all kinds of different sources and all kinds of different weird things for, uh, for hetera, just to make sure that I can really get inside Bono's head and try to translate what's in that movie into the, into a book, but also walk the line between keeping it kind of weird and trippy and not explaining too much because the movie doesn't hand feed, like hand feed you everything. So why should the book? So right. th- it's a, it's a very t- thin line to walk. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but um, there's a reason yeah. that that's one of the longer books on the website right now, because I liked <laughs> taking on that challenge. But when I felt like I wasn't like, I'd been working on it so long that I was starting to kind of slip a little bit and that maybe I needed to take a step back because the writing would suffer. That's when I bounced to another book and then I'd worked on that one and then bounced to another one. But um, I will get back into right. hetera eventually. I've had people ask me what's up with hetera and I was, I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to, to press on with that one. Yeah, uh, it, it's super fascinating. And, and I, I do want to say that uh, if anybody who's listening to this has not um, heard of or checked out the Godzilla novelization project, uh, first of all, definitely check it out because it's worth checking out. Um, there's a lot of work and love going into it, as you can tell. Uh, so please check it out. But also, I do want to you know make sure that people know this. This isn't uh, just fan fiction you know i know it falls into that category when you're trying not to get sued by toho um but but it's really (laughs) not yeah it's really not fan fiction because uh fan fiction you don't see the amount of the amount of attention to detail and the amount of um respect and trying to to preserve the films and just you know preserve the films in writing instead of on, on film, but to preserve the message of the films uh, in fan fiction, you don't really get a lot of that. And so I think that's something that that really sets this out uh, as something that's unique. And uh, I think you're doing a great job. And I want everyone to know that the links to your social media, to the GNP, all of that is in the description of this episode. So you guys can go check it out. Thank you very much. I I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, Let's go ahead and get into the uh, main uh, episode now. Uh, So we're going to start with the news for the week. And we always uh, cue the BDBD is what we say to uh, start our news. And that's the (laughs) Ghidorah sound, which I put in post. So you're not going to hear the BDBD. I'll hear it in my heart. I'll hear it in my heart. Right. Yeah, we we all know the BDBD. So it's the BDBD of my heart. (laughs) Didn't. <laughs> All right, so the first bit of news that I want to talk about is an event that is coming up 
that a bunch of us podcasters are involved. You might have heard me talk about it in our last episode, but Kaiju Quarantine 3 Endgame is upon us. It is going to be for one day only, October 17th, starting at 10 a.m. via the Kaiju Quarantine Discord server. This is a movie marathon that me and a bunch of other podcasters put together uh, as a way of kind of coping and and getting through the the quarantines the lockdowns the just the the general state of the of the world <laughs> help us forget the, about the current that unpleasantness exactly exactly so yeah. yeah uh so if anybody is interested in that you can check out the discord server i will put a link to that uh and you might have even heard the trailer that was put together by nathan from monster island film vault at the beginning of this episode i probably put it in as our cold open before we got into the main episode so uh please check it out Please come be a part of it. It's probably going to be the last of these movie marathons we do for a while. So uh, we wanted to to uh, we wanted to go out with a bang. Yeah, these are they're really, really fun events. They are really, really fun events. Um, I'm not going to be able to, to see that this third one, unfortunately, because I'll be out of town. But everyone else should because they're really, really fun. Yeah. And, and Elijah, um, who was my guest host last week, he has put a lot of work into it because he kind of took the lead in organizing it. And so he has put a lot of work and I want to make sure that everyone can see and appreciate the work that he put into it. All right. Uh, we can move on now to. I mean. Is this really even news? It doesn't really even seem like it's that big of a deal. Like, it's not like the entire, you know, social media Twitter sphere blew up <laughs> um, when this was announced. Uh, so it may not even be worth talking no. about. So we might need to we might could just move on to the next bit of news. Uh, no. Uh, so we don't really have to we don't really have to talk about it. It's not I mean, it's not that huge. I mean, I don't even I don't know. I think people just kind of. People get excited about the weirdest things, you know? It's, it's yeah, funny. yeah, definitely. I mean, that's like we, we <laughs> talked about before recording that uh, me as a podcaster in the kaiju sphere, uh, I am duty bound by voodoo curse to talk about this. <laughs> like I have I have no choice. Um, Got to do it. Got to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> there was an announcement made that there is a new Godzilla anime coming to Netflix. And this is an actual series, not movies. Uh, and it was so funny because on Twitter, it was leaked out and everyone got into the this heated debate about, is this real? Is it not real? And I just sat back. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait and see. Um, but yeah, it turned out yeah. to be true. It has been confirmed by Netflix that the, they have ordered a new animated Godzilla series called Godzilla Singular Point. Um, it says it will not be tied to the previous Godzilla films. Uh, and I think specifically they're talking about the anime films and will feature an entirely new storyline and cast. It's currently slated to debut in 2021. So Danny, I wanted to ask you when you heard about this and especially when you found out it was real, <laughs> uh, how, how did you react to this? Oh, any, any new Godzilla is good for me, man. I, uh, 
I so what happened was with the whole t- Twitter thing that I've heard about later is I was actually I I got off work that day and I had slept like garbage the previous night and I took a nap and when I woke up my phone had exploded um with people saying dude new Godzilla anime bro check it out and I was like what what's going on <laughs> I'm so sleepy what's going oh my gosh and uh, so I slept through the whole, is it real? Is it fake thing? Uh, which is probably for the best. But um, so I, I woke up to official confirmation that it was real. So that was fine with me. I am super excited about this. Um, I don't know how, what else I would be like, I I'm just super duper pumped. I, the creative team that they've gotten together for this thing is outstanding. Um, so I'm anxious to see what they do. Um, I fully expect I will love it. It's going to be super cool. Um, this will be the, uh, fifth full, uh, God's kind of, you know, Godzilla TV series. It's amazing that there's only ever been a handful. I mean, he was in zone fighter in the seventies, Hanna-Barbera in the seventies, um, the Sony cartoon. And then of course, uh, Godzilla Island, which is like my favorite Godzilla thing ever. I adore Godzilla. I make no apologies. I adore Godzilla. Oh yeah. But me um, too. This is, yeah, this is the yeah, yeah. This is the fifth one. This is like the big. Fi- I mean, you could you could count like a Gojiban if you really wanted to, but that's like that's a YouTube show. So it's yeah, not like a TV that's like show. a little mini thing. Yeah, it's a little puppet. I I love that too. Uh, Gojiban is absolutely adorable and kind of insane. Uh, oh and I love yeah, it so much. Absolutely but, um, insane. I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> completely insane. Um, but that's, that's why we love it. Right. But yeah, just, I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm really pumped when they said 2d animation, there's going to be 3d. I'm assuming Godzilla will probably be 3d and the character, human characters will be 2d. I mean, -hmm. that's my assumption. I don't want to assume too much, but, um, yeah, just looking at the character sheet and, uh, I'm interested to know what singular point means. Like, what does that mean? Who knows? So sign me up, man. I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm pumped. Bring it on. Yeah, I am actually, uh, I'm really excited about this. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the anime movies that we got on Netflix. Um, I'm not, I'm not as big of a hater of them as some people are, but I wasn't a huge fan of them. I revisited them um, later and and found out I actually enjoyed them more after uh, revisiting them. But, uh, Mm. but yeah, um, the creative team behind this is like you said, is really great. I especially am looking at the, one of the, um, one of the main animators, the head animators for this, uh, AG Yamamori, who has worked, has worked with studio Ghibli. I mean, and not, not only has worked with studio Ghibli, but has made some of the biggest studio Ghibli or helped make some of the biggest studio Ghibli, films you know princess mononoke and spirited away like mm-hmm. what <laughs> yeah um, I mean, like that that's that's almost like for me personally because the the ghibli films are incredibly important like in they're just like so important to me i adore those films mm-hmm. uh, i love me some godzilla but i always say that spirited away is my my desert island movie uh i oh, i wow adore that movie with every fiber of my being. I love it so much, but um, this to me is almost on the same level of significance as Anno and Higuchi, you know, when they announced those guys and everyone was like, ah, that's fake. There's no way that those two amazing human beings would, Oh no, it's totally true. They're doing Godzilla. Whoa. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. the, the fact that they got a, like one of Ghibli's most legendary animators worked on, most of their biggest films. I mean, you mentioned Mononoke and uh, 
Spirited Away. He also did Wind Rises. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's 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 a legend. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of a footprint uh, he leaves on this particular series. So that's yeah, I'm pumped. Like that name right there took my level of pumpedness and increased it significantly when I read the press release. So that's big news. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that I take away from this, um, the news is that we're getting, which you already mentioned, like we're getting hand-drawn animation mixed with CG animation styles. Um, the fact that Polygon is not the one doing it because whether you like or dislike the, the anime trilogy that we did, that we got before, the animation in it was just not great. It was very, it was very stiff. Um, whether you like the story or not, that's a different, you know, that's totally different. You know, you can enjoy the films, but, uh, but yeah, the animation style was very stiff. And so I was really, really hoping that if they made another series or another, you know, animated thing that, that they didn't go with polygon and they're not, they're going with, uh, it's two studios. They're working together in partnership. It's bones, which is involved with my hero academia, uh, working with orange, uh, which, uh, has produced B stars, which I haven't seen, but I have heard good things about. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I, I think that the, the just this is just my assumption again don't really want to make too many assumptions but this was just my assumption the fact that this is hand-drawn mixed with the cg uh i think the reason why they decided to go down that route with this is probably to do with sss gridman or sss Mm. gridman i wondered if that's what you were gonna say there yeah yeah Gridman, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's how i always yeah. say it now <laughs> it's like it's Gridman. <laughs> um, but yeah yeah because uh because that was that was extremely well received like more than i think they were expecting it to be and fans really just oh, enjoyed yeah. the heck out of it so i i can imagine that they're looking at this and saying well if if it worked with that and that was the you know a combination of 2d animation for like the human characters with 3d animation for the the kaiju and the and the fighting um so you know they looked at that and they're like well we can do that let's do that i think that's a perfectly i think that makes a lot of sense i mean uh, gridman really became a a massive international success that I don't think uh Tsuburaya was completely uh like ready ready for. I mean, a lot of people ranked it as one of the best anime if not the best anime of that year when it came out. And mm-hmm. um I mean, you don't ever plan on making the year's best anime, you know, but um they they made a good one and uh there's I mean, they're they're already working on another anime in that same vein over at Tsuburaya with a different hero. But mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, and I, I didn't even really think of that, like how the success of uh, of Gridman might trickle down to other IPs. And once again, we're at the, you know, maybe in kind of a weird place where Tsuburaya stuff is influencing Godzilla, kind of like how it was back in the 70s. If mm-hmm. that's true, that's a weird case of history repeating itself, um, which is really, really cool. But yeah, I'm yes, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Yeah, I well and and what's funny is I think it does take something like like with the the success of Gridman to kind of 
get the people at Toho because Toho as a company, I don't know about them individually, but Toho as a company always feels like they're, they're old fashioned in the way that they do things and, and the way they handle, especially the way they handle Godzilla properties. And so when you get a, a, uh, a property like Gridman or Ultraman and they, they do something that, or even Gamera, when, when they do something different, something that's out of the ordinary, that's not your typical way of doing things and it's super successful, then it's like, well, Toho's like, well, that's not the way we normally do things, but I guess it's worked for them. Let's do it. So uh, I don't know. It just, it, it makes sense in my head that Toho kind of uh, sees these people who can who are willing to take the risks and then they're like well maybe we should take the risk too <laughs> that's a good point they toho definitely has a, a pattern of doing that where it's like well we don't have a lot of money but in the 70s but hey look superaya and toei are spending you know basically pocket change and making a bajillion dollars on all these superhero shows let's do that man the, those heisei gamma movies were pretty good we should get kaneko-san to do a godzilla movie and then they did um What's and you mentioned Gamera a second ago because n- now that now that I'm thinking about it, at the end of next year, unless something else gets announced, he'll be the only one of like the big three, you know, giant monster properties in Japan that won't have an anime series. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, time and, will tell. Uh, well, August Ragone um, on Twitter has hinted or well i don't know the thing is he said he said uh now uh once this news is out maybe we'll finally hear about that uh gamma anime that that uh Mm -hmm. kaneko has been working on and and then he then he paused like you know put a dot 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 am i just making that up or is it true you'll never know (laughs) it's like august August is that that dude is hilarious, man. Because whenever he says something, he has a an authority. Because when he says it's true, it's true. You know what I mean? He knows right. what he's talking about. So, but he's also got a wicked sense of humor. So every once in a while, he'll sneak something in there like that just to see people online go, "Oh what?" And right, um, exactly. Yeah, I wonder if that's not what he did this time. Kaneko working on a, a Gamera anime, but um, dude, you know what? It's it, I a that would be wicked cool and B I wouldn't put anything past anyone or anything at this point. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So yeah. Fingers crossed. All all I know is uh, I was, I was writing an article today that's going to be going into uh, a magazine that me and Michael are working on behind the scenes that we haven't even announced on the podcast yet. So shh. Um, but, uh, I've been where I was writing an article and I finished, I finished the article with just the, the thought of now is there's no better time to be a Godzilla or giant monster fan because there just seems to be so many different ways that we can enjoy the properties and express our love for the properties. Yeah, I, that's completely true. I mean, we've got official stuff going on. I mean, we've got. I mean, it's, you know, technically still now kind of a thing. It was, you know, a few years ago, and now it looks like it's going that way again. Basically, three different Godzilla series, or you know, properties overlapping with each other. Western, mm-hmm. and then you have anime, and then you have you had Shin. And Toho is definitely working on more live-action films right now. So, I mean, they're, they're planning on doing more in the future. There's no way they're not. So, we're, it, they're doing it. They've got anime. This will be the second anime 
uh, production that they've done. Uh, Legendary's still got one more, at least one more movie to get out of the gate eventually. Maybe one day. HBO Max. Yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but j- just wait. I'd love to see it in a theater, but it's uh, I mean, they just announced Wonder Woman's going to HBO Max. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, it's all the kinds of cool stuff is happening, regardless of whether you can go safely see it in a theater right now or not. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. A lot of cool stuff coming up. Fans are working on projects. Um, official projects are coming out. People, I feel like, and we talked about how creative Godzilla fans are. I feel like there's a lot more, there are a lot more people in the community that are feeling like they can share their creative work now. Like they feel a little bit Mm -hmm. um, more comfortable doing it, which has been really, really wonderful to see. So it's just like a huge explosion um, that's happened. So, and it, you know, it's cool. It's cool to see it's things are happening on multiple fronts and that doesn't, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good time to be alive, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a good time oh, yeah. to be alive. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, one of the our next uh, news uh, item actually goes into one of the things that we were talking about. One of the avenues that people can enjoy their giant monster me- media, and that's with comic books. Because we had the announcement that Attack of the Super Monsters is getting a comic book uh, coming from the publisher <laughs> Phase Six. Um, who publishes American comics in Japanese, and they also do um, Japanese characters done by uh, U.S. artists. So I think um, uh, the Matt Matt Frank's uh, Red Man series would have been um, published through Phase Six. I think um, if I I might be yes, mistaken there. Yes. Um, no, that's and, that was uh, them. that was them. Yeah. For okay, sure. it was. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and so they are going to have a revival of Subaraya's Great Dinosaur War Eisenborg, which uh, was adapted for American audiences into Attack of the Super Monsters, and that's coming in 2021. Now, I'm not sure, since since Phase 6 is a Japanese publisher, I don't know how North American fans are going to be able to get a copy if it's going to be released in North America or what, but either way, this is fun news. Um, Danny, I know you love, you love attack of the super (laughs) monsters. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. I do. I make, I make no apologies. Uh, dinosaur war. Eisenborg is one of my favorite, Japanese uh, tokusatsu TV shows ever. It's so bizarre. Um, it was part of, it was the middle part of a trilogy that Tsuburaya did in the, the mid to late seventies uh, that started with um, another dinosaur themed show that it didn't have a superhero in it. It was just, um, it was, it was just dinosaurs. That's a whole other story we won't get into, but long story short, um, it's such a bizarre series because it's got tokusatsu sets, miniatures, dinosaurs, and then it's got the, the, all the human characters were animated by the crew that would eventually um, start doing Gundam at sunrise. So um, it's kind of amazing. It's almost like proto Gundam and like weird proto Ultraman in a way, but Ultraman was already a thing. It's a very, very strange combination of two different things. People talk about whether or not it's an anime or whether it's tokusatsu or like whether it should be one or the other. It's obviously both, but it's just completely wonderful and crazy and bizarre. And um, it's, uh, I've seen that show through several times. The movie version 
um, that came out in the States, the super monster film is really, really fun. Um, it's on Amazon, anybody out there who hasn't seen it and you just want some goofy kaiju stuff that you you maybe have never seen. The DVD is like 10 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> like, Go get it. Yeah, you will not be disappointed. It's 10, the best $10 you'll ever spend. It's awesome. Yeah. It's it's really easy to get a halt to, um, and there's also a riff tracks version of this uh, that I have seen. Yeah, uh, that right. was my that was my first experience with it. Um, and we also covered oh, that was it how on. You, that's how you found it. <laughs> yeah, that's how I had I had no idea what it was uh, when I first uh, oh, when, I, when I saw it. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I highly recommend anybody out there, um, it it can be found, uh, perhaps through devious means, but find the show and watch it. Um, it's not subtitled, but who cares? Just, it, it doesn't, like, most of the Japanese shows I have in my collection aren't subtitled because they they never have been. That's never stopped me uh, because it's they're just fun. So definitely try to find Eisenborg, the TV show. There might be a few episodes floating around. Um, last year... Uh, they actually produced a little documentary slash uh, kind of a bonus episode of the show. Um, and it's so it's on YouTube on Super Eye's official channel. It's only a few minutes long, um, but they did recreate the special uh, some special effect sequences and they rebuilt some of the miniatures and basically shot a new like little monster battle. So that's up there. But yes, um, this comic looks awesome. I don't care if it's only in Japanese. I will still get it. Uh, I am a huge Eisenberg fan, so this was a really unexpected, awesome surprise for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I can't wait to see how it turns out. Yeah, so that's going to do it for the news segment. So let's get into our main topic. So we always like to ask trivia questions to hint to our next episode, and we love to give shout outs to whoever answers those trivia questions. Uh, our trivia question from last week was the ant noises from them are also used in what other giant bug movie? And I use the word bug very loosely because I know it's not a true bug. Please don't at me. <laughs> somebody um, will oh yeah so the answers we got and actually surprisingly no one has given us uh the actual correct answer uh, most people gave us fun answers which is which is good because i love the fun answers um so starting with the kaiju apostle podcast so david over at uh, the kaiju apostle podcast uh answered with uh, he said, I'm just going to get a bug's life out of the way. <laughs> it's like he knows somebody's going to do it. If it wasn't him, it was going to be the giant monster BS guys. So, <laughs> oh, for sure. Thank you, David. Uh, Jimmy from NASA, the the uh, um, producer of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast, sent us over the little known but bizarre crossover sequel, Us versus Them. Which which is you would say so that, Jimmy. Yeah, which is so funny because now we do have a movie called Us. So <laughs> it, it works even That's better. true. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Elijah from the Kaiju Conversations podcast and from our last episode, the guest host from last episode, uh, sent us in Mr. Bug Goes to Town. <laughs> I like that one, Elijah. <laughs> And then Nathan, host of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast, sent my aunt Susie 
again, Nathan, Nathan sends these. Yeah. Nathan sends these ones that work better in text and then leaves it up to me to try to read them out in a way that people can get the pun. And it's like, Nathan, stop doing that. (laughs) Um, Chris Deggle sent in, could it be tarantula? It could, it's not, but it could. Um, (laughs) uh, Laura Hertzman sent in beginning of the end. That's actually a, uh, that's actually a good guess, but that's not, not correct. Uh, and then, uh, Kaiju Kim also sent in the lesser known sequel to them. He, (laughs) and, (laughs) and then, uh, Michael, the people's champ. Hamilton. He got mad at me for not reading that out last week when he sent us an answer. <laughs> He's not the people's <laughs> champ, by the way, because he lost our last uh, uh, debate that we did, our, our kaiju clash. So he's he's the people's loser, if anything. Um, <laughs> co- co-host of this podcast. Uh, he sent in for Missaday versus Scorpiones Noir. <laughs> Or Scorpion. I think it's how it is. Scorpion. Scorpion Noir. Scorpion. Oh, Scorpion. Yeah. I I, I get my French Cajun uh, side in there. (laughs) Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) So, our main topic is The Black Scorpion from 1957. I'm going to do a quick uh, cast and crew breakdown and a plot breakdown, and then we can get into the our discussion. Uh, so the cast and crew for this uh, movie, was, it was directed by Edward Ludwig. It stars Richard Dinning, Mara Corday, who actually is the same woman, did not realize this until I was watching it. I was like, ah, I, 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 and I've seen it before, but I just didn't recognize her until this time. She played in the giant claw and also in tarantula. So that's, uh, that's interesting. I didn't know she was in both of those movies and also this one. Um, it also stars Carlos Rivas. And then the special effects are done by Willis O'Brien of King Kong fame and Pete Peterson of Pete fame. <laughs> I, the guy like, who didn't do king kong the guy who didn't do i don't know i really don't know there's, there was a whole team that worked with willis o'brien so who knows <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure uh and then the plot breakdown is volcanic activity in mexico frees giant scorpions from the earth who wreak havoc in the rural countryside and eventually threaten mexico city so uh, Danny, we usually give some, just some quick opening thoughts on, on what our initial thoughts are on the movie, maybe how we, you know, first discovered the movie, anything like that. So what are some opening thoughts that you, uh, have for the Black Scorpion? Um, well, first off, this movie, uh, plays into my, my, my deep unapologetic love of black and white 1950s giant bug movies. Um, I love me some Godzilla, but I also, I mean, I'm a fan of 1950s sci-fi in general, and there's just something about a good giant bug movie. And the weird thing is you don't usually like, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, I love me a good giant bug movie. But usually the, like the word objectively good and giant bug movie don't always go together, but at least you don't think they would, but there are actually quite a few really rock solid 
giant bug movies out there. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think this is one of them. Um, them really was kind of the, the launching point for the whole thing. And you basically after that, you run the gamut. You have excellent, excellent movies like them, which is really just fantastic. And then you've got like, you know, kind of middle of the road, sillier stuff like um, uh, Bird Eye Gordon's uh, uh, Beginning of the End. Or then then you've got like your Z grade stuff like Monster from Green Hell. You know, like no, that movie yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there, there are giant bug movies that are all over the place. And some of them, like the, the techniques that are used in the movies are all over the place. Some of them have big mechanical things like them. Some of them have, you know, you know, somewhat big mechanical things like uh, the, the deadly mantis, things like that. And then you have um, stop motion. And that's really where this movie caught my eye many, many, many years ago, because I mean, I, I love me a good giant bug movie, like I said, but I also am a huge stop motion, stop motion devotee. I, anything with a stop motion monster in it, I have to see, you know, I, oh yeah, I grew up obsessed with trying to find as many of them as I could just movies and like monster movies in general, but there's something about the stop motion and, um, and then, you know, finding out that Willis O'Brien, even though he, he didn't he wasn't as involved as I think a lot of people assume he was, he was involved. He was there. And obviously he's the, the father of stop motion. He pioneered an art form that still like, even though the technology is different, it's all in computers. Now the basic, you know, language that O'Brien was speaking is still in use now. And uh, he, he was such a tragic figure and because he didn't get, Nearly the respect he deserved, but Black Scorpion came later on in his career after he'd won his Oscar, very deservedly so. But he was, this was like around the time he was doing stuff like the giant behemoth. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he needed to eat, basically. You're right. Um, right. So the fact that he's involved, it makes it interesting. Um, the first time I ever actually saw the movie proper, I think may have been via the Mystery Science Theater episode, um, which yeah. was a season one episode from uh, 1989 it was one of the last episodes of that season yeah yeah, yeah it was or, actually or the... it, it technically was yeah the last episode of season one it was the last episode of season one that was aired but um there was an earlier episode in season one that was the last one they shot but mm -hmm. it got aired earlier it's a it's it's confusing but yeah it was the episode i want it was the 13th episode of season one and it's a pretty darn funny one i have a soft spot for mystery science theater's first season um and it's a funny episode and you know as as usual i you know try to seek those movies out outside of uh some of them at least like some of them i like watching manos without the jokes is sounds like a horror show like i don't oh, know if yeah. i can do yeah. that but <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe maybe not that one, but Black Scorpion is the kind of movie that I would watch regularly anyway, without any kind of jokes over it. It doesn't need jokes to be watchable, unlike right, Manos. Exactly. But um, yeah, but it's 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 so it's just a, it's a above average, I think, giant monster movie uh, for the fifties, a bug movie specifically. Uh, and I don't remember exactly how long ago I've seen it. I first saw it, but um, I've seen it a few times since then, and it's just kind of one of the it's one of the movies I feel like everybody's heard of it, but not a lot of people talk about it or have seen it these days. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah. Well, it kind of doesn't with, get to, people talk about them, you know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. With, with me, yeah. my, um, my first exposure to this, this uh, movie was actually with Kaiju quarantine. 
um, the the second Kaiju Quarantine that we did, which was Trash Mountain. Uh, and this movie was put on there and it was put on, you know, one, it was one of the first. Actually, I think it was the very first one we did. And uh, it was, you know, to show kind of a it, it wasn't meant to be super duper trashy, but it was you know something that most people did view as trashy. And, and I had heard for a long time that the Black Scorpion was viewed as kind of like this, you know, kind of goofy, silly uh you know giant monster movie or giant bug movie uh and after watching it uh when i first watched it for kaiju quarantine i was like this movie's not i mean it's got some some goofy elements in it just because it's you know it's from the 50s you're gonna have some of that in it but but uh it's not as goofy as i thought and actually i'm with you i think it's legitimately good i think i think it's not there there are parts of it that i think are better than them uh even and and them is you know widely regarded as a great you know uh monster not just great monster movie but just really a great sci-fi movie from that era and i think this movie uh surpasses them in some ways um but then in other ways i think it doesn't and i'll talk about that when we you know get into our likes and dislikes but yeah i i just remember being super surprised at how good this movie is and i think that uh, a lot of the reputation it has with some giant monster fans really isn't isn't warranted because i think it's it's no worse or or goofier than any other movie from that time period uh because it's just you know it's just a product of that of the of the time that it was made yeah i completely agree uh let's get into our likes and dislikes now on this podcast we like to do positivity sandwiches where we we start with the positives then we talk a little bit about our negatives and then we finish on some positives so uh, let's get into some positive things. What are a couple of, of things that you really liked about this movie? Well, I'll, I'll start with the, the less obvious because the, the, the biggest one is going to be the monsters, right? But, um, the less obvious one is that I really, really enjoy the environment of this film. It was, it was very unique for the period for the kind of movie it was, you know, it was, you know, big bug sci-fi movie, but it wasn't shot on a back lot. It was shot on location in Mexico. So the movie in like it has this big scope to it. They're actually outside, they're actually in Mexico, they're not on a cramped back lot or in a studio. They are outside in beautiful Mexico and you can you can tell like it's just it's just a really pretty movie to look at. The the landscapes are are really really beautiful. Um the architecture, what little of it you see is authentic, you know, because they were actually there. Uh, so I really like the way, like the setting of the movie looks. Um, I I like the plot progression. I always enjoy the '50s movies where you follow the scientist on the quest for truth. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because a lot of earlier movies, you like, they were like, "Well, we we're gonna talk to this military guy, or we're gonna talk to, you know." Like sometimes this, they were always scientists, but they, you know, for a lot of them, they weren't the focal point of the movie. And then that kind of changed in the early forty, early forties, the early '50s. Um, where you have stuff like um, Creature from the Black Lagoon, for example, which shares a leading man with this film, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. They kind of cross over there. And uh, I really like good good gravy. I love the, I like the cast. I think the cast is great. Um, uh, Richard Denning is one of those guys where he's on screen and, you know, he's got the 1950s kind of chiseled jaw line. You know what I mean? Because like, he kind of just right. want to trust what he has to say. He was a cool dude. Um I have a slight crush on Mara Corday. I'm not going to lie. 
Um, she's gorgeous <laughs> and she's a great actress. Uh, she's great in this movie. She's great in Tarantula as well. Um, and you know, <laughs> the, the, the giant claw, which is objectively the greatest movie ever made. Um, I love that <laughs> giant claws. Awesome. But, uh, no, she's, she's unreal. Like she's so good in this movie. Um, I like how she stands her ground. She's not like, you know, she's, she doesn't take, she doesn't take, she doesn't get bossed around by the guys and take it, uh, which is always fun to see in a 1950s movie. Um, I, it's, it's a lot to love in this movie, I think. I mean, it's not the most incredible in terms of plot or character development or anything, but you know, it's, it's a giant, it's a giant bug movie from the fifties. It falls into that slot very nicely in terms of the characters and the plot and the script and all that. So, uh, no complaints yeah. really, but the, the star is of this show is obviously the bugs. Um, Oh, absolutely. And again, I know they're not bugs, but you know what I mean? So the, the, the scorpions are just, they're just unbelievable in this film. The, the animation is super duper good. Um, and again, as you mentioned before, um, the, the actual animation is credited to uh, Pete Peterson mm-hmm. and uh, Willis O'Brien's involvement was uh, not as involved as I think a lot of people think it is. Um, but most of the animation was left to, to Pete, but right. Yeah. I, mean, I it's, think um, it's amazing. You can feel, was... But yeah. Yeah, I think Willis O'Brien was listed as um, as supervising. So I think, you know, he kind yes. of like, you know, supervised a lot of it. But Pete did most of the work. He Yeah, Pete did most of the work. But it's very weird because the the DNA of Kong is all over this movie in the special effects scenes. Some of the special effects scenes from Kong are outright duplicated in this movie. The train attack has the exact same progression in the editing where it's like, Oh, the light hit the monster. Now it's zooming in on the conductor trying to stop the train. There's the monster a little closer back to the conductor trying to stop the train. And then the train crashes into the monster. Um, And it's just as horrific, I think, as in Kong, because in Kong, um, via those great, those great uh, effects where he just pounds on the train and you can see the little stop motion people wiggling and falling out of the train cars. Mm. And it's just horrific. Um, But in this movie, it might even be a, a little bit scarier because you have, several scorpions and they're picking people out and grabbing them. And there's that great shot where that one guy is screaming and he gets passed from claw to claw between the scorpion. It's, it's really pretty grotesque. Um, And I like that they felt like they could get that gross with it, that dark, because there's, I mean, scorpions are just unsettling creatures. You know what I mean? They're right. Yeah. They're, they're gross as the many, many uh, uh, close-ups of the, uh, the big mean black scorpion, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which we'll talk about later on. I, I, I think, um, a test like that thing is just ooey and drippy. It might be a little too drippy. Like that's, that's yeah. a drippy bug, man. I don't know about that. Yeah. That, that, that thing is like, really I, I love scorpions. Wet. Yeah. It's like a little too moist. Like when I think of scorpions, I don't think of their moistness. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't know, but yeah, um, no, but yeah, I, I love scorpion. I love scorpions in general. Yeah. Like I don't, I love scorpions in general, like just insects in general. So maybe that's one of the reasons I like big bug movies, but I mean, the effects, yeah. the effects in this movie are again, really stand out from even the rest of the fifties bug films, because there aren't a lot of them that use stop motion techniques. And there's something, like I said before about stop motion, that's just so like, magical you can't quite put your finger on Mm -hmm. it it's not it's not quite realistic because stop motion like that will never look 100 photo real but it's that's not the point it's about creating an atmosphere just like a tokusatsu film in japan um you know it's all about creating a mood and trying to elicit an emotion and um 
for me, seeing the scorpions with the black and white photography and they're, they're, they're lit so beautifully when they're crawling under the bridge and they're in that catacomb underground. I, the, the effects are, I mean, in a movie like this, you come right. for the monster and this movie delivers on the monster. So that's the, that's the big thing for me that I take away from it. Gotta love the monsters. Yeah. You, um, you mentioned, uh, the train scene and I do want to talk about that train scene because I think that is really that is my favorite moment in this entire movie is that train scene. And I'm glad that you did mention how it, it, uh, it parallels the scene in King Kong because that was also my favorite scene in King Kong. Um, we re- we did, uh, yeah. we reviewed it a couple of weeks back or probably about a month ago now. Uh, and that was my favorite scene in that. And, and the reason I gave in King Kong was because it reminded me of the confrontation uh, ride at Universal Studios uh, yes. where King Kong t- picks you up and you're in like a trolley type thing. So it's like, that's what it reminded me of. But in this, this, the scene with the train, I would go as far to say that it has the intensity of even modern day monster movies and modern day, you know, horror sci-fi movies. I, I think, I think the intensity of that train scene in, in the black scorpion is just as high as the T-Rex attack in Jurassic park. Now, of course the special effects are not the same. Of course the time period with the, the, the score and everything is not the same, but I think that the emotions that the scene elicits, that anxiety that you feel when the monster is attacking, it's on the same level as that T-Rex attack in the first Jurassic park. And I just, I really, really enjoy it. And uh, I'm like you, I do love uh, scorpions. I think they're really fantastic creatures, especially when you're making monsters with scorpion like um, attributes. Uh, as someone who has been stung by a scorpion, I can tell you that yeah, uh, they're they're not fun, and uh, <laughs> wow. and so they're good. Well, they're good. Holy yeah. Cow. Well, I, it was a long time ago, but yeah, I I was stung by one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that I just I really wanted to talk about that train scene because I think that was my favorite moment, my second favorite moment in the movie, uh, and and I'm like you, the of course the special effects are the thing that that this movie really just excels at. Everything else, you know, there's some great there's some great acting, there's some you know other stuff in it, but but the special effects are what you're here for. So I'm going to focus on that when I'm talking uh, about it, but. Uh, Everything underground, when they went into the the underground caves and stuff, that whole sequence is just straight up just the most intense horror movie ever. And and I just, I I loved it. Completely. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the movie is the the cave sequence. Um, Rather famously, so so legend says, um, at least one or two of the critters down there may have been reused armatures from the deleted spider pit sequence from Mm -hmm. King Kong. Uh, At least that's what. That's what the popular story is. A lot of people think that the, uh, I don't even know what kind of bug it was supposed to be, but the worm with the tentacles um, that gets attacked by the, yeah, I don't know what, what specifically that was. I think it was just like a creature that they made up, but I, I don't know what it is about that thing, but it's probably my favorite creature in the movie aside from the, the big black scorpion. That's obviously the reason we're here, but I, I love that weird inchworm as it just kind of crawls around and it's got the tentacles and when it dies, it really like, it, that entire thing makes you think of how cool the spider pit sequence in King Kong must have been. And oh, you're yeah. Like, oh, come on. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Watching this, you, you can't help but just imagine what the spider pit scene in, in King Kong would have been like. Um, I have heard it. I even had it under my fun facts that that, yeah, some of these creatures were used um, like the trapdoor spider was also used um, in the mm-hmm. uh, yeah. spider pit scene. Uh, I have seen because the only thing that survived that really has survived the test of time from the spider pit scene is there are a few images like um photographs of what the what some of the miniatures looked like and if you compared the the photographs that do exist of the of the spider pit scene with some of the like the trapdoor spider in in this one they do look a lot alike so i i I don't think it's that far fetched to believe that that Willis O'Brien just was like, oh, well, we have this. Let's go ahead and reuse it. <laughs> no, I, I completely buy it. I mean, I don't know if the creatures maybe were, you know, repurposed or redone or if their some of their armature parts were combined or replaced. I don't really know what the whole thing is, but I mean, it's it seems to me that if that's the thing about armatures is, um, back during the stop motion days, I mean, armatures had to be, every single part had to be hand milled. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bob Burns, who has the, uh, the, the amazing collector who has the original King Kong armature in his legendary basement. Uh, whenever mm-hmm. he takes it to a show or does an interview, he always, he always tells a story where he said, he holds it up and says, back in the day, you don't, you didn't just go to a hardware store and ask the guy behind the desk, Hey, can I have some King Kong fingers? Uh, and he's completely <laughs> right. I love that. I love how he tells that story. Uh, but he's completely right. Every part, every finger, every part of his spine, and of course the skull, uh, all of it had to be milled or sculpted in the, and then cast in the case of the skull. Um, and so a lot of times things would get reused um, a lot. I mean, the uh, Ray Harryhausen was infamous for doing that around the same time. So uh, Black Scorpion came out in 57. A year later is when... Um, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad came out uh, from mm-hmm. Harryhausen, of course. And um, in that film, there's obviously the famous Cyclops, but uh, there's there's two Cyclopses in the movie. There's the main one that everyone knows, and then there's the one that fights Taro the Dragon at the end of the mm-hmm. film. They're not the same. They're not the same Cyclops. I think a lot of people think that they're the same puppet. It's it's not. The the second one is actually a different size, and uh, it was the Emir actually from. 20 million mm-hmm. miles to earth. Uh, Ray cannibalized the Emir and turned it into the second, um, the second Cyclops. And then all the, he did that forever, all the way up to uh, clash of the Titans. Uh, Calibus has a clo- a cloven hoof and like a, like a horse leg. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one yeah. of the Cyclops's legs. Right. And he chopped it off. So the fact that they reused all this stuff, um, it, it, it would not surprise me at all. If um, like, quite a lot of was reused from King Kong in that pit in that crater sequence. And the crater sequence, like you said, is a straight nightmare. Um, it's oh, yeah. terrifying. The sound design is horrifying when it's chasing the little boy. Um, something about monsters chasing kids is just like a primal no, no for me. It's just like, Oh God, no, not the kid. <laughs> but um, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's scary. But uh, cause you're like, no, protect the child. But then you're also like, Oh man, I remember when I was a kid, like, that would have scared me. It scares me a little now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that, that sequence, just cause it's got a bunch of monsters in it. Like there's nothing creepier and cooler than an old movie than falling into a pit. That's just filled with stop motion monsters. Like that's, that's, that's where it's at. That's the best stuff right, right there. So yeah, I yeah. love that sequence. 
Now, um, I want to get into some of our negatives because we are balanced here on the podcast. So there, you know, no movie is perfect. We do um, talk about some of our negatives, but I know that um, it sounds like, you know, with the amount, uh, the amount of love that you have for this movie, you're probably not going to have a lot of negatives, but is there anything um, that you just didn't like about this movie that you don't, you don't like, or you wish was different? Um, honestly, not really. There, there is one kind of objective flaw that I will pick out just so we can keep the balance going. Uh, because honestly, I, when I put most movies in, I don't, I don't come out of it thinking I would have changed that, but that's just, that's just not how I, I usually watch movies. But that being said, like you said, there's no such thing as a perfect movie. And, uh, this movie has some, a couple of objective things that are a little iffy about it. And the, the big one for me is towards the end of the film, uh, the optical compositing for the special effects. Mm. Um, okay. You, there are s- several sequences where you can see right through the bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see the people behind them. You can see the topography and the buildings behind them. Uh, the, the, the optical uh, matting, the compositing is just not up to par. And it doesn't match the quality of the rest of the footage. Uh, which is kind of jarring almost. And there are a lot of people that don't like the big close-up puppet head um, because it, it is a little incongruous with the rest of the, like, again, with the stop, but I, the stop motion, but I actually like the big puppet head. So that's not a, a flaw for me, but um, some of those optical compositing shots are really rough. Um, but for, as is the case with most things like this, there is a reason why it's like that. Um, this movie was actually largely independently produced which is kind of interesting. It was independently produced and then distributed and partially funded and uh, promoted by Warner brothers. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately during that process, they ran out of money. And so when they went into the last stretch of special effects, they didn't have, they didn't have any money. And so that's why the optical compositing uh, for some of those scenes looks that rough is because they basically had to do it with no money and it, it suffered as a result and they just had to get the movie out. So that's right. that's why it looks like that, but it does kind of damage the integrity, the visual integrity of and strength of the rest of the effect scenes in the film. But I mean, that's it doesn't bother me at all. But it's just something that you notice, you know, when you watch it, and you're like, wow, the rest of it right. looks really good. But I can see a building through that scorpion. It's like something went yeah. wrong in the process here. But so that's that's really only the big thing that I noticed um, in terms of like a big objective flaw. And of course, you could pick the, the script apart. There's some hokey lines. It's a 50s sci fi movie. There's there's going to be some hokey lines. The romance comes out of nowhere because, of course, it does, um, you know, stuff like that. Right. But, um, yeah. Other than yeah, that, and that's, no, I mean, I've, I yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really where, where I am on my dislikes too. Um, because, uh, there really isn't a lot, you know, a lot with the special effects and everything. I, I can't really find too many faults other than, of course they reuse scenes over and over again. They recycle scenes, but that that's, yeah. I get it. They have to save money. I get it. Um, but, uh, but my, the biggest flaws that I can find in this movie, and it's only because we're looking at it in hindsight, is the typical tropes of the 50s movie. The voiceover at the beginning. People who listen to this podcast regularly know that is the one thing that I, I, I can I can overlook a lot of things because of the time period they were made. But one of the things I cannot overlook is voiceovers at the beginning of films. It gets under my skin so bad. I don't know why. That is the one thing that gets me so much, but I hate wow. it. I that's, absolutely hate. That's, inter- that's the, interesting. Yeah, I just and, and, and it, <laughs> that's, that's I, so I, I definitely. 
I definitely hate it when it's a modern movie that does it because it's like, look, like I, I can somewhat excuse it from back in the day because it's like that's just from the time period. But do not do it nowadays because voiceover in movies just irks me so bad. Um, but yeah, the the love story, of course, is it was annoying and, and I, I didn't really like the kid. The kid was kind of kind of uh, just in the way more than anything. He didn't really serve much purpose other than like he was in danger, but he was annoying. So I didn't really care if he got eaten. It was a plot device, <laughs> right? He was right. a plot device to, to, put, to get everybody else in trouble. So that that's what they did with kids in sci-fi movies in the fifties is they were like, let's throw a kid in there so the kid can mess everything up. And then they have to go save the kid. So the, it's like basically, Hmm, let's use this child as a prop. Uh, so it's, right. it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> Poor yeah kid. but yeah you know, it, it is and what the it one is. yeah and the one uh 50s trope that gets me it got me even when watching them i, I as and i do love that movie but it's just one of the it's one of these 50s tropes that just i when you watch too many of these movies back to back you really pick it out and it gets tiring is just people sitting around tables and desks talking and it's like <laughs> okay Come on, like like every 1950s sci-fi movie has a scene, at least one scene where people just sit around a table or a desk. And it's fine if you watch one movie every so often. But when you're watching them back to back, it gets it gets annoying. And, and I realized last week and I mentioned on the podcast last week that I think that's why I liked uh, why my favorite uh, 50s monster movie is The Blob, because it's. It's teenagers that are the stars of the movie. They're not sitting around talking to people at tables and desks. They're actually up and doing stuff. <laughs> so it's like I I I, yeah. I realize like that's why I love that movie so much. Nobody sits at a desk and just talks about things. They are actually doing things. <laughs> the the blob is a such a great movie, and B is really kind of the the antithesis to every other nineteen fifties monster movie because all of the characters that would be the main characters in a 1950s monster movie, like the, the cops, the police officers, mm-hmm. you know, the authority figures, like they're not only on the sidelines, but they're actually getting in the way of like saving lives. And mm-hmm. um, the kid, the kids. And I say, I of course use the term kids loosely. Cause I'm pretty sure they were all going through their midlife crises while they were shooting. That right. Film, especially Steve yeah. McQueen. But exactly. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, but it's it's so great. I mean, that movie is owned by the children. It's one of those movies that, like, when I think 1950s, pretty much everything 1950s ever is in that movie, right? So mm-hmm. The Blob is is very... And it does make other movies... Like, you, it does make you notice after you've seen The Blob, because you're like, The Blob has so much energy to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's got, you know, it's got the kids in it. It's got the cars. It's got, it's just, it's colorful. And then you watch something else. And it's not to say that that other thing, like, like the black scorpion is bad or anything, but you, you definitely notice when the tropes get in the way of what could have been maybe a little bit more interesting, you know? Right. So you bring up a good point about the blob for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's finish off our, our main discussion here with just a couple of positives. Now I do want to, I do want to mention, we, you already talked about it. The, the giant, uh, the giant puppet face. Now, every time I hear people talk about the negatives and especially when they, people talk about how cheesy and goofy this movie is there, that is the one thing they always bring up. Like that is, that is the one thing people 
talk about the most is how goofy the spider face or the the scorpion's uh, face looks. And the thing is, in the context of the movie, I I still to this day cannot decide if it's scary or goofy because it's both. It's terrifying (laughs) and disturbing, but also like. I'm kind of laughing at the idea of this, you know, it's a scorpion, but it has like the actual mouth with lips and, and teeth and stuff and bug eye, you know, the really like it has popping a out face. eyes. It has a person. It is. It, yeah. And I, I will give it this. It, ha- because of it having that face, the, the scorpion in this movie has more personality than the, the ants in them uh, because they have no face at all. So I will at least give it that. But um, so uh, but yeah, yeah I, I don't think it's a completely negative thing on this movie. I think it's it is it is unsettling, even if it is a little goofy. It's still unsettling. It is really again, it, it goes back to the 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 uncomfortable amount of moistness that's on the yeah. <laughs> it's just dripping and it, it looks <laughs> like a person. It's very it's got the eyes and it has mm-hmm. lips. Like you said, it looks unsettlingly humanoid in the face and um. This is kind of this goes back again to the Kong comparisons. That face reminded me so much of the way that they shot Kong 33 because most of it was stop motion. And then you had this big face, the big mechanical one one scale Kong face that they made that in some shots is a little goofy. Like he's got this mm-hmm. big old smile on his face, you know, <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's uh, yep. but in some shots, that face is kind of terrifying, like when it's chewing on the Islander. Um, or it's, it's looking at, uh, there's a couple of scenes where it's looking at Faye Ray, where he's looking at Faye Ray, where it's a little creepy. The rest of the time, it's kind of a gentle face, kind of a placid face. But every once in a while, when it snarls its lips, you get this just like disturbing feeling. And it, it, it kind of does remind, you mentioned the, um, the Universal Studios, uh, rides that incorporated King Kong, um, uh, specifically Confrontation, which was in, uh, Orlando. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that face is not goofy at all like that head was straight terrifying um, oh yeah i never got to see it in person unfortunately i, I wish that they'd kept it around they, that's where they they replaced it with the mummy ride that was the same building mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then the one in california burned down rest in peace that's so tragic that still upsets me because <laughs> i never yeah. got to see either of them but um but yeah it, it reminded me of that because the the scorpion face had the same weird mixture of like it was definitely like the close-up big head and it looked, it didn't look completely like the stop motion puppet. And it was kind of goofy in some shots and really gross and unsettling in other shots. And I think it kind of depends on when you watch it. Cause there are some, t- like I've seen this movie many times and um, sometimes I'll watch it. And there's one shot in the movie where one time I'll watch it and I'll say, that's goofy. And then I'll see the same scene again the next time I watch it. And I'm like, well, that's kind of creepy. So it, it doesn't, it's not even necessarily shot specific. Maybe it's just how we watch it. I don't know, but either way it is. I I think it's, I don't think it hurts the film. I don't think it elevates it above where it needed to be. I don't think it's like a standout effect or anything, but it does its job effectively. And I, I don't think it hurts the mm-hmm. movie. I'm, I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, one last little thing I want to mention before we move on to our um, final thoughts and, and our score. Uh, I do, I do kind of like the Gamera Guardian of the Universe in, ending to this movie. Um, 
in the stadium mm-hmm. with the with the the dead cows trying to lure the creature and it just like i saw gamma guardian of the universe before i saw this movie uh in my you know just growing up so i just it was like oh this obviously this one came first but it's like oh this is a uh, gamma guardian of the universe <laughs> yeah i actually hadn't really uh, thought of that until the most recent time i i watched it and um it's uh it's definitely I, I mean, who knows if that was like, I, I, I don't know if that was like a straight homage or anything, but it is really coincidental. Yeah, uh, there's a lot really of similarity is. to it. Lure the critter into the stadium with the dead animals and then just unload into it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, if it's a coincidence, it's, it's a rather big one. Um, maybe that, maybe and... that's a question for, uh, for uh, Kaneko or Higuchi next time they do an interview. It's like, Hey, either of you ever see the black scorpion? <laughs> right exactly oh, yeah man. yeah um i also like in that scene just the the little comedic moment of i mean it's, i don't think it's intentionally comedic but the the idiot who just accidentally electrocutes himself like what were you doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. there are some great moments of incompetence in that sequence and i, I yeah. love when he shoots the first time and it just you missed i don't i don't know why yeah. that makes me chuckle a little bit but um uh, it's just like you know like Oh man, it's like just let Richard Denning shoot it. I mean, the guy was the right. he's used to attacking j- monsters. He he did a nice number on the Gill Man a few years ago. Just let him attack the scorpion. He obviously right, exactly. knows what, he has experience. And I think I think what really why the why that climax there, especially with uh, with all those little sillier moments seem uh, like stand out so much is because it comes not long after the the excellent train sequence. And so then you get this this end sequence, which which I mean, again, the stop motion is great, but then all of the human actions going on around it is just kind of like, yeah, that's just a little too goofy and too uh it's a little too weird (laughs) yeah it kind of it's almost a little incongruous um and i think it's something that you pick up on when every time you see the movie again because i mean the first time i saw it i was like sucked into that scene i was like no no there's its neck you gotta get it um and then every time i've i've watched it i'm like "Ah, he missed that's funny (laughs) you know it gets a little bit goofy um and then this last time i most recent time i watched it um I noticed uh, you were talking about them reusing scenes uh, with some of the special effects shots. And I noticed that they, there's this amazing shot in the final, that final battle where the, the scorpion reaches up with its claw and grabs something and then kind of mm-hmm. collapses back on the ground and, and with its stinger out. And I was like, dude, that was a really, really well done special effects shot. That's really cool. Oh, they just used it again. Yeah. Huh? Interesting. I guess yep. they, I guess they thought it was cool too. What do you know? Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, let's get into our final thoughts and our scores. Um, We like to score our movies out of five Godzukis on this podcast because we like to embrace the silly side of giant monster movies. And we like to use the great uh, Godzuki and the best of all of the uh, miniature Godzilla uh, monster things the the godzilla children <laughs> i guess you could call them um uh but yeah we like the to kaiju use... seed yes yes <laughs> the kaiju that just sounds wrong 
It really does. Let's forget I said that and move on, shall we? <laughs> so, um, out of uh, five Godzookies, um, how many Godzookies would you give the Black Scorpion? And what are your final thoughts, Danny? Man, um, I'm terrible at giving out uh, something out of five ratings to things because I'm just like, I like movies. Five out of five for you. Five out of five for you. Uh, on a completely objective level, I feel like I'm, I'd am i be comfortable throwing a, a 3.5 Godzukis, which is probably uncomfortable for one of the Godzukis because I split them in half. But <laughs> uh, I, I think I think three and a half Godzukis is fair for this one for me. Uh, the only question is which half? Um, which is yeah. a somewhat disturbing. Qu- I, I I don't. I will let the listeners figure that one out. I, I don't. I already chopped them in half. I don't want to be mean, but so Look, it's October. I, everybody's thoughts. in a spooky mood, and all I'm thinking <laughs> of is uh, the kid from the Hanna Barbera uh, cartoon saying, "What's in the box? What's in the box?" No, no I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got Suki. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> what what did you do? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love some Godzuki, man. Oh yeah. But no, I 3.5 seems fair for me. I I have a big a lot of love in my heart for this one. It's not honestly one of the the giant bug movies that I regularly throw into my DVD player, but it's one that every time I do, my first thought when it's done is, "Gee, why don't I watch this one more often?" <laughs> Because your brain automatically goes for them and it goes for uh, Deadly Mantis and uh, Tarantula. I love Tarantula. Tarantula is awesome. And even um, mm-hmm. some of the cheaper, sillier stuff, like y- you got to love some beginning of the end and Earth versus the Spider, you know, sillier stuff like that. Um, even something like uh, Monster on the Campus, which isn't really a giant bug movie, but it does have a big dragonfly in it. That's a mm-hmm. fun one. But I mean,. For me, it's, it's it is one of those movies where every time I watch it, I think to myself, "Man, I oh, I forget how really kind of rock solid this one is." So, you know, I think for what it is, I mean, uh, uh, subjectively, I throw five stars at everything. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I just I'm I, I just enjoy stuff too much. But I I will be fair, and I think that this movie deserves a nice solid three point five Godzukis out of a possible <laughs> five Godzukis. That's what I say. And, and look, we we're rating movies out of Godzuki, so don't don't worry about trying to be uh, <laughs> all that serious about it. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's no, that's really not, yeah. kind of the that that's kind of the point of our rating system. Is it like it doesn't matter? We're just here to have fun. <laughs> um, and that's that's the best thing, right? You got to have fun, right? Exactly. Um, so I give this movie three out of five, just a, a, just a flat three out of five. I do enjoy this movie a lot. I think that the, the negativity I get from people, um, or, or, you know, the, the way people talk about this, I think it's, I think it's unwarranted, um, because I think this movie is good. I think, you know, if you, if you were to create a scale, um, and have Godzilla 1954 Gojira uh, on one side. Of course, that's you know just like top level. And then you have like the giant claw at the other end of like just the bottom of the barrel kind of <laughs> cheesy, like fun but dumb. And I think uh, yeah. this one sits somewhere in the middle. 
maybe a little bit closer to Giant Claw, but not quite all the way over there. Um, it, it does have some cheesy elements to it that just come from the fact that it's a 1950s monster movie. Uh, but it's no more cheesy than the than uh, um, it came from beneath the sea or uh, them or any of those other uh, movies from the same era. Um, in my, uh, my closing thoughts, I uh, wrote them out. So I'm just going to read out what I've got here. Um, so I also say uh, the close-ups of the scorpion seem goofy at first, but are also unsettling in a way. That's one of the things that we talked about, but I just wanted to highlight. It's like, yeah, people really talk about how goofy they are and they do mm. seem goofy. But then when you, like we talked about, it's almost like an uncanny valley thing of like, they're just, it's so expressive that it's almost just too human. Uh, the tension in the movie is lost from time to time. Uh, but the destruction that, you know, I love how the, the destruction that the scorpions wreak on, on, on Mexico kind of builds, like it starts off kind of low and then just kind of grows and grows and grows in scale. Uh, O'Brien and uh, Peterson's effects work in this movie. Uh, and I also think it, 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 like in some parts, I, it rivals even King Kong. Like some of the effects I think are as good as King Kong or maybe in my mind, cause I'm not a huge King Kong fan uh, just in general. I don't really like uh, apes all that much, um, but uh, uh, I, I think it's actually better than King Kong in, in some places in my, in my, you know, in my opinion, especially that train scene that we talked about. Uh, I think the atmosphere in this oh, movie yeah. is really good. Uh, like I say, I think the negative reactions people have is unwarranted. Uh, it's a, it's a, a fun Often cheesy movie with special effects that hold up surprisingly well by today's standards. Uh, and my final thoughts are the Black Scorpion deserves a place on any monster fans watch list for its fantastic effects, fast paced storytelling and the variety of creatures that appear in the movie. And that's something we didn't talk about. It's just the, the sheer variety and number of monsters that are in the movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's going to close the book now on The Black Scorpion. So that finishes our discussion. A wonderful uh, giant bug movie. And that's also going to finish up Creepy Crawly Month uh, for the podcast because we had planned on October being our Creepy Crawly Month. But then we realized we had things planned for the second half of the month. So it ended up being Creepy Crawly Half Month. <laughs> instead of a full month <laughs> uh so maybe next year yeah. we'll have a full month of creepy crawlies uh in in, in october <laughs> um we're going to move into the last segment of the podcast which is the mailbag we're going to get through this kind of quick because we're running out of time what's in the mail today We, if anybody is interested in sending us an email, you can do that, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. You can also reach out on Twitter at kaijuweekly if you want us to read out your message on the podcast. Uh, and Elijah has sent us an email, which, Elijah, you were just on the show last week. Why, why you guys send us a, uh, why you guys send us an email now? You, you could have asked us any questions you wanted to last week now he actually sent this a couple of weeks ago so <laughs> i'm just now getting to it <laughs> um if he's but, anything uh, like me he's gonna be like well i'm just on the show and after i stopped recording i suddenly remembered all the questions i needed to ask so that's, right exactly 
Exactly. Yeah, I know. I, I get like that too. It's like, ah, I, we meant, I meant to mention. Oh yeah. Speaking of that exact thing, Elijah, I'm going to make <laughs> sure I give you decent shout out this week. Uh, because last week I was so caught up in doing the episode that when it came to the end of the podcast, I forgot to plug all his, his podcast, Kaiju Conversations, his Twitter at Kaiju Conversations or at Kaiju Converse, I think. Uh, and also ET13 Productions on Twitter is his, and he also posts a lot of, uh, great, uh, um, toy photography and, and figure photography. And I completely forgot to plug all of that last week. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Elijah. <laughs> well, now you have, his, so <laughs> right. There you go. Um, his email is what's up. My favorite Kaiju podcasters. It's me again. Sorry. I'm a little late on the email. Your happy fourth listener has totally enjoyed the thought of exilians having genitals uh you can tell he wrote this right after listening to our uh our um invasion of astro monster <laughs> episode <laughs> me and michael mentioned that <laughs> i don't like the time danny <laughs> I, I don't like the tone that this podcast is taking and i'm really glad that that uh you're on here to kind of class it up some because uh i tell you that michael <laughs> that michael just uh, oh he's He's uh, he's great. Yeah. He's, yeah. You never know it's coming. Like you, he's, 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 a, you know, he's, he's very quiet and then he'll say something and you're like, did you, M Michael, did you, yeah. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you saying, Michael? He's so freaking funny. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I love having him as a co-host. Um, but uh, Elijah has two questions for us uh, in this fine October week. And one of the questions is specifically for me. What doctor on TV would Godzilla most likely go to? Uh, and he gives examples like Dr. Ken, Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz. So what doctor would Godzilla go to? Uh, and Danny, do you want to answer this one? Uh, I, I have an answer, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. Hmm. Man, this is a this is a difficult one. You know what? This is uh, I'm going to I don't know if I can make an informed call on this. I'm going to say Dr. Phil. Um for literally no reason. <laughs> I, I, I have no reason to pick Dr. Phil, but I just I don't know, man. It's something something something's telling me he's a Dr. Phil guy. I have no logical backup for that whatsoever, but I'm locking it in. Dr. Phil, for sure. Oh, See, man. I wanted to go with either Dr. Fraser Crane or oh. uh, Dr. or Dr. Horrible. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? Both of those are completely better than ever. I'm going to change my answer to I, screw the whole. I'm not locking it in. I'm going. I'm going for Fraser. I'm going for. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> you know, I'll compromise. He's a Niles. I think Dial. He's a Niles Crane guy. I think oh, he's yeah, a Niles yeah. guy. I'll go for I'll go for Niles. Um because that way that way maybe he's seeing both of them. Um this like yeah. he's he calls into Fraser, but he goes into Niles' office, but he the other each doesn't know the other they're sharing a patient, like they don't know. Or for so for a medical playing. for a medical complaint, he could go to Dr. Cox from uh from uh uh Scrubs. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Man, oh, man, I can't believe I didn't think of Dr. Crane. Oh, I love Frasier. That's like my favorite sitcom and I totally blew it. 
I know. It's like, I, it's just that that one popped into my head. I'm like, of course. Yeah, Frasier. <laughs> uh, and then the other question he had, which was specifically for Michael, is, uh, is the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man a kaiju? A classic question. And uh, uh, I'm oh, glad yeah. that somebody else is making Michael uh, name whether something's a kaiju or not, besides just me, because I'm always doing that to him. <laughs> uh, Michael did... <laughs> Michael did give me his answer. He said, uh, short answer, no. Technical answer, I would consider the Marshmallow Man more Kaijin or even Gaijin uh, than Kaiju, given that it's more humanoid in appearance and its origins. Uh, and I will jump in here. I'm not an expert on Japanese, but Kaijin uh, would not fit this uh, Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. I'm sorry, Kai, uh, Michael. Uh, <laughs> so you're wrong on that. <laughs> now, now, does it still count as kaiju? Eh, that's that's it's up to you. it's up to you. I mean, I consider uh, giant uh, uh, killer tomatoes as kaiju. So why not? <laughs> but I definitely think that kaijin is more specific. Yeah, kaijin kaijin is more specific. I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, I have a t-shirt on our Public because anytime I say something stupid on the podcast, I turn it into a t-shirt and put it on sale. Um, and uh, I have a t-shirt that says, and it's got a picture of, of Clifford. It says Clifford is a kaiju. And I am willing to give them out for free to anyone who is willing to wear them at G-Fest next year. If we have a G-Fest. <laughs> You know, I, I almost pulled the trigger on that shirt a while ago. I've I've been seeing it make the rounds, so I I got very close. I don't know where I come down on the 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 very very vitriolic debate as to whether or not Clifford the Big Red Dog is a kaiju. But oh man, that's it's I I have no opinion on it. I just like to sit back and like watch other people have arguments about it. That's my thing. Oh yeah. Thank you, Elijah, for your email, as always. Uh, and so, yeah, the only other thing to do uh, for this episode is to ask the trivia question for next week that hints to what movie we're going to be covering next week. Uh, and the trivia question is, which movie from Ray Harryhausen's filmography was the first to be filmed in color? Uh, anybody who's a Harryhausen fan knows this right away. But if you don't, then yep. tune in next week. Well, that's when you do the joke, the joke answer, you know, that's right. You exactly. The in there. Exactly. So uh, I want to just say a big thank you to you, Danny, for joining me on this episode. Uh, I really appreciate it. I loved our conversation at the beginning about the Godzilla novelization project. So do you want to do a quick plug for uh, everything? Your, your Twitter, your, your Instagram, whatever you want to plug. Yeah. Um, real quick, if anyone has uh, further questions about the project, well, first of all, the project itself can be found at um, Godzilla Novelization Project dot com. Um, that nice and easy to remember. Uh, the project is all archived there. It's a website where all of the chapters for all the books are. The website is also home to um, the other stuff that the GNP does, because I'm not just doing full Godzilla books. I'm also doing short stories that are adapting um uh, things like Godzilla King of the Monsters 56 um, that has its own short story. Um, there's all, there's, I think five different short stories on there adapting stuff like Rodan and Matongo and um, really interesting kind of fun side projects. There's also a full, uh, a bunch of timelines there because I'm working on Godzilla timelines uh, as I write to kind of organize 
the, the chronology as I go through it. So that's a big other side project that actually gets sometimes more traffic than the books. Like people really like the timeline stuff, um, I, I, which is always really cool to see. Uh, and there's also pages on there where you can find podcasts I've been on. You can, there's a contact page. So if you want, to, so this is, that's an easy way to remember where to find me. So if you want to find me on social media, A, you can go to that page and find the links. But uh, long story short, I'm on Twitter. And I mentioned it at the beginning of, of the uh, of the episode, Danzilla93 underscore GNP. Um, a lot of fun stuff happens on Twitter. Updates get posted. I put silly pictures up there. It's it's a fun it's a fun page. People really seem to like it. Um, the Godzilla Novelization Project is not on Instagram. I, I don't really have a, a big need for an Instagram, but I do have a Facebook, a big Facebook page that um, is also pretty popular. So you can check that out. I can also be emailed directly. Um, and the the email is all on the website on the contact page. And that's if you have like if you want to ask me questions about the project or if you want to make suggestions or if you want to like, you know, say something nice, like leave a review, like anything like that. Um, you can also definitely leave comments on the website. Uh, you can leave reviews on Facebook. Um, that's also a really cool way to get the word out. Um yeah, I'm very easily findable. You can find me on, on mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook. You can email me. Uh, it's, you know, I, I'm very easily findable. I love just talking with Godzilla fans about anything. Uh, I have fans send me their artwork. I have fans send me their own books and their own short stories that they've written. Um, and sometimes they're, they're fan fictions and sometimes it's a deviant art page. And like, I, it doesn't matter if you want to send me that stuff. Um, like that's cool. I'll, I'll definitely, you know, take a look at it. I'm very behind on responding to emails right now, unfortunately. Uh, if you've emailed <laughs> me and haven't heard back yet, I'm, I am getting there. I promise I have, I have, I, have, I will not abandon you. Uh, I love when people reach out and, and want to just chat because, you know, Godzilla fandom is a rather isolating thing. You know what I mean? Cause a lot oh, of, yeah. a lot of people only have that connection via conventions, which aren't happening this year. And, you know, uh, being online and, and, and stuff like that. So it's just, for me, it's all about just spreading as much positivity as I can and just having some fun. Like I said before, you know, if you're not, you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Right. So right. just, you know, I just, I like being a part of that. So um, all I can ask is if you read the novelization project and you enjoy it, um, share it with other Godzilla fans and maybe, you know, maybe they'll enjoy it too. And maybe you'll brighten their day. Who knows? So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's all I really have to, oh, well, I guess I should mention Patreon. I have a, pa- <laughs> I'm so bad about plugging my Patreon. I, I, it's so uncomfortable asking for money, but, um, the, my Patreon page is set up right now and it is actually a lot more important than my lack of promotion for it might have people believe because the, the Patreon page allows me to do stuff like take time off of work to write more. It's going to l- allow me to pay translators for stuff that I can't translate myself myself. And it's going to allow me to get research material like scripts and books and all kinds of crazy bits of random ephemera that I put into the timelines. Uh, that stuff is, I mean, anybody that's tried to buy a book from Japan knows it's not cheap. Mm. So it's having Patreon is incredibly important for having the project be finished in a timely manner. Um, a dollar a month will get you updates that other people won't get $5 a month. will get you those updates. Plus um, you will get uh, 24 hour early access to anything I write, uh, including blogs, the chapters, short stories, things like that. You'll get it before anybody else because you are awesome. 
And uh, for the the GNP devotee, the ten dollar is the highest one right now. There will be it'll get higher eventually because I'd like to do merchandise. I'm getting really close to being able to do um, t-shirts and merchandise and stuff like that. But at ten dollars, I will put your name into one of the books as a previously unnamed character. Um, and I have quite a few people that are either doing that or are interested in eventually doing that. So that ended up being more popular than I thought. Ten dollars a month is a lot, right? So. Mm. Um, yeah, for, for those who are listening that are contributing um, and those who would consider doing so, I deeply, deeply, deeply thank you for believing in me to the point where you would give me your money. Like that just warms my heart and blows my mind. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have to say. I'm I, I just like talking about monsters, as, yeah. as you can tell. Um, yeah. it's, it's not subtle, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just like having fun, man. That's 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 what it's all about. Oh yeah, totally, totally. And like I said, I will make sure to put all the links to your, uh, your Twitter and, uh, your, your, um, the website and everything for GMP down in the description of this episode. So if anybody's interested, if you, uh, just want to go down to the description, you'll find it all down there. Um, but yeah, I just want to say also, um, a thank you again to Danny, but also thank you to everyone who is listening to this episode and listens to the podcast, uh, each week. Thank you so much because, uh, it really is amazing that anybody is willing to sit and listen to us talk about giant monsters and be silly and goofy. Uh, and thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends because that always helps the podcast grow. And, uh, yeah, we like to see people uh find out about us through other listeners uh if you want to follow us on twitter we are at kaiju weekly and at kaiju groupie pod that's me and michael on twitter all the links to our social media as well as for the kaiju groupie facebook group are listed in the description of this episode you can send questions comments or answers to trivia questions to our email kaiju weekly at gmail.com a big thank you to alex and shijir for supporting us on patreon you can also support the podcast uh at patreon.com forward slash kaiju weekly uh we're still up in the air about whether we're going to keep uh our patreon going because there was talks about us uh ending it just getting rid of patreon altogether but uh but we haven't made a decision on that so if you want to change our mind you can go and support the podcast uh and you can also support the podcast by leaving us a five-star review uh and if you do that and you leave us uh an actual review or uh or rating on the apple um, podcast app we will read it out on an episode and it doesn't even matter if it's uh positive or negative if you give it five stars we'll make sure to read out whatever your comments are so to close this episode of kaiju weekly i'm gonna say help control the giant scorpion population have your very very moist uh scorpions spayed or neutered <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wise words for everyone.